mentor of mine passed away this weekend. He was 87 years old and possibly the most curious person of all time. He made his living talking, but he would say things to me like, listen, I never learn anything when I'm talking. Every morning when I wake up, I tell myself that nothing I say today will teach me anything. If I want to learn anything, it's only going to be done through listening. Now, me personally, I've been super insecure about talking my entire life. Like seriously, the in my mind, the only thing I, that's more uncoordinated than my massive 6'6 body that is, I feel like I'm tripping over things all the time. And by the way, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to share in a moment uh, one of the most embarrassing musical experiences of my life. In my mind, the only thing more uncoordinated than my body is my mouth. Seriously, I feel like I'm constantly stumbling over my words, searching in the wrong places for the right things to say. One of the things I learned from this mentor of mine is that one, if you think you're bad at talking, you can get better. Two, if you think you're great at talking, you can always improve on what you're good at. Keep talking. Man, yeah, he changed my life in more ways than one. He's literally the reason I had the confidence to start uh, my podcast a few years ago. But here's the weirdest thing about our relationship. I never met the man. Here's the deal. No matter what your opinion is of Larry King, no matter if you liked his interview styles, if you liked his radio shows, his time on CNN, all that stuff, no matter what your personal opinions are of him, you have to admit, Larry King was one of the greatest communicators, one of the greatest interviewers of all time. People like, I mean, I remember Frank Sinatra said once that Larry King was able to make the microphones and cameras disappear. When you were having a conversation with him, you felt so comfortable being yourself. Uh, you felt like he was fully there listening, pulling things out of you that other people uh, may not ever be able to do. One of the greatest interviewers of all time, and about a decade ago, he became a virtual mentor of mine. So much so that this past weekend when he passed away, I found myself like going through all my notes and all these different places that I've taken of him over the years, I started to realize I had this interesting thing start happening. I started to see things that have become in my life part of my core beliefs when it comes to communicating and maybe interviewing people or just interacting with people in general. These core beliefs I now have, I started realizing, oh, that's where I learned it. I learned it from Larry King like nine years ago. I just started putting this together and I felt like you would find it interesting no matter who you are. But So I want to dive into this. 12 things that I've learned from Larry King over the years that have changed my life. Uh, but before I do, I want to say a word on virtual mentors to you. Um, we One of the things I'm so grateful about is living in the 21st century in this age of things like podcasts, of the age of interviews and literature and books people have written about themselves or other people. It used to be back in the day, I would, I would assume that if you wanted to learn from somebody, if you wanted to study under someone, you had to reach out to them, maybe move to wherever they are and have this one-on-one -on -one relationship, upheave your entire life, go to them and study under them. But nowadays... We have things like access to all this information. So if there's anybody you're interested in, 
you can learn as much as possible from them just by nerding out and doing a deep dive. And one of the things that benefited me in this uh, this idea of virtual mentors is learning to learn metaphorically. And by that I mean it's really easy. It's like like a bass player. It's really easy uh, for me to want to, uh, if I want to get better in my craft as a bass and music directing, to look at other bassists and music directors. Uh, but what I've realized is that it's when I've learned to learn metaphorically, take things out of their original context and see how they can impact me in my specific way, that's benefited me the most. Like, for instance, I don't can't see myself ever directing a movie but i've learned so much by nerding out and uh learning from guys like robert rodriguez or quentin tarantino and the way they approach directing a film and their art form has personally impacted the way i approach my art form and my work as a musician so larry king is one of those even before i even thought that i would be hosting a podcast or doing something like this holy shit if you would have told me 12 years ago I'd be sitting here with a microphone talking to you uh, like this, no way in hell would I have believed it. But And I really attest it to my nerding out about uh, communication uh, through people like Larry King. So all I'm saying is that no matter who you are, no matter what industry you're in, there's something to be learned here. And that brings me to number my point number one. The biggest thing I learned from Larry King is no matter who you are, you need to make getting better at talking a number one priority in your life. Uh, I heard him once say that the road to success... <laughs> The road to let me talk about why you need to learn about talking. The road to success. No, the road to success is paved with talk, and if you're not good at talking, it's going to be a bumpy road. And in my mind, I separate that into two categories. One is the professional category, and one is social and personal. On the professional side, it's fascinating. Nowadays, uh, like I'm saying, things like podcasts that you can learn about other people. No matter who you are, uh, if you get to the upper echelon of success in your field, you're going to be required to talk specifically like public speaking. Things like, um, like take mountain climbing. I was watching Free Solo with Alex Honnold, I think his name was. Uh, he's the guy that climbed El Capitan without any ropes. If I'm looking at it and I'm watching interviews with him, it's, it seems natural that the guy seems like he is introverted. Right, like he, you don't get into mountain climbing because it's like this epic social thing. You want to be in front of a ton of people. No, you are alone on the side of a mountain. But because he got to this point of success in his career, now he's doing things like all this public speaking. He's on a bajillion podcast interviews uh, all over the place. So no matter where you're at in life, once you get to success, you're gonna have you're gonna be required to do some sort of public speaking. So working on it right now. Uh, is only going to make your life easier. And then you have the social side of it, like right, like every every industry, every, no matter where you are in life, there is this side of interacting with people. There's so much of whatever it is that you do that's relational. I remember, I have a music friend, and he would always complain to me about uh, the requirement of the hang in music. Now, we, and in, in, if you're like in the business world. It's natural to ha talk about networking, right? You need to network and build relationships with people. But in music, that's too businessy. We never say anything like networking, so we call it the hang, right? You need to have, be a good hang. You need to be a. You need to be fun to talk to. You need to be able to be sociable because you have to through these relationships. I mean, for me, every gig I've ever gotten has only become only come because 
I was already friends with those people first. And they said, hey, we're friends. Why don't you come make music with us? And so everything's so relational. So if you can become someone that puts people at ease when you're hanging out with them, uh, your life is going to be so much easier. And that's just, I mean, it's just how things work. Especially, I mean, I think about... I think about the biggest tours I've been on, whether it's like I'm playing arenas in, say, like Asia, right? Those days, only two hours of that day was time spent on stage performing music. The rest, the other 22 hours, was me hanging is this relational side. All all I'm saying is that no matter who you are, no matter what industry you're in, if you can learn to be a better communicator, your life is going to be easier. Okay, number two, bring the audience into your circumstance. When he's talking about it, he always says, you know, when you're honest with people, you bring your audience into your circumstance. If they like you, you win them instantly. If they don't like you, you were never going to win them in the first place, so you just need to get over it. Uh, And the story he always tells is the, his first day working at this radio station. They put him on air and they hit record and he's just sitting there super nervous. Like I have found myself multiple times in front of a microphone and he's just sitting there staring at the microphone, not knowing what to say. And the owner of the radio station busts in and he goes, hey, listen, this is a communication business. You need to communicate. Slams the door, walks out. And Larry King just, for some reason, I think this is so brilliant, he said something like, hi, my name's Larry King, and I have always, my entire life, wanted to be a radio host. But now that I'm here in front of a microphone, I am crazy nervous. This is my first time ever doing this. I'm so happy to be here, but I am nervous out of my mind. And then he said he just kept being honest and flowed from there, and it was great. And that was the beginning of the rest of his career. And man... I didn't realize how much that impacted me until I started thinking about one of the most embarrassing situations of my musical career that happened about two years ago. I was doing a Christmas tour uh, with an artist friend of mine, and the way the show would work, right? We would play this whole show, and then we would do this massive trash can at the end, and he would walk off stage, the band would keep playing, everybody's cheering, and then we do it, we hit. And then everybody claps, we wave, thanks for coming out, we walk off stage behind him, and then people would still keep going, one more song, we need more Christmas songs. And then we get off stage, we change into uh, these ugly Christmas sweaters that we brought. We come back on stage, oh my gosh, an encore, I don't know, do we have any other songs? One, two, three, you hit them with your hits. That's how an encore works. Oh, I wasn't even planning on this. The deal, uh, though, I started realizing is that when we start playing smaller venues, Uh, People didn't know that we had an encore and the applause would die out too fast. So what I started doing as a music director is Dan would walk off stage, then we'd play, we'd end, the rest of the band would walk off stage. I'd just make sure I'm the last one and I would give them one of these. Like, yeah, just keep it coming, just a second, keep it coming. And then I would turn around and give my best Tom Cruise running impersonation, just, (laughs) I'm so smooth, run off stage, change, come back out. It was great. But it was a show in the middle of Virginia. It was about like three to 500 people. And so we played the show. I did the same thing. But what I didn't know is that the front of house engineer who had run all the cables up on stage, he was new at his job, so he didn't know all the industry standard things. And what he had done is unbeknownst to me was a rat's nest of cables, literally from the state like this high, 
just to the left of me back by my bass amp. And I hadn't seen it the entire show. Show goes great. Dan leaves. The rest of the guys leave. Just a second. One more thing. I turn around. Super smooth. Run off stage. My left foot catches because I'm 6'6". I don't know what these things are doing all the time. Um, My left foot catches the clusterfuck that is to my left. And I literally go airborne and I fly on stage. I'm not exaggerating when I say five feet. I'm in the air, then sliding on stage. And when I'm laying there face down, face mashed into the stage, I literally slow motion hear the oxygen get sucked out of the room. I hear, oh, one more song. Oh my God. And it's just dead silence as I'm laying there. Uh, and my natural instinct is to go, oh, I got to get the hell off stage as quick as possible. This is the most embarrassing circumstance I've ever been in. It's actually not. <laughs> but uh, I, I instead, because of this bring the audience into your circumstance that I learned from Larry King, I stood up and I just decided to own it. I walked to the front of the stage nobody was saying anything. I just walked front and center. I took off my hat and I gave my most exaggerated stage bow of my life, like this massive, oh, thank you. And instantly people started clapping. I started laughing. And it, what it did is I acknowledged, just acknowledged the fact, hey, we're all here. This We can't ignore this. And then to take it a step further, as I'm leaving stage, the guys are coming back on stage. They have no idea what happened. And I stopped Dan and I said, hey, I'll explain it later, but I need you to make a joke talking about falling on stage. And then when I come back out, because I'm going to come late, make a big deal. Welcome Rob Morgan back on stage for me. I'll explain it later. And so he did it. I, when I came back out, people were clapping. It was hilarious. Uh, I turned the entire thing around. And I know you may not be a musician. You might think, what the hell does this have to do with me? I'm just saying that whatever your situation is, if you're nervous, say it. If you're in the middle of your first interview, you've never done this before, admit it. Just tell people. People understand. Hey, listen, if you're giving a speech for the first time, whatever it is, whatever industry you're in, you're doing your first show as a singer or songwriter. I think it's fine to admit it. Be like, hey, I am so pumped to be up here before. I have wanted to perform these songs forever. We've been working on them. I'm crazy nervous right now. All I'm saying is no matter what industry you're in, be honest. And by doing so, you bring your audience into your circumstance. Okay, number three. Small talk is big talk. I've met so many people in my life, and especially in my career in music, who say things like, well, you know, I'm just so tired of small talk. I just want to like have deep conversations. I thought that too when I first started to- uh, doing my podcast. I was like, you know what? I want to get to the heart of things. I'm going to ask a really deep, meaningful questions right off the bat. And what I suddenly realized in short notice during the podcast is that small talk is conversational foreplay. That sounds really weird to say, but it really is. Like you can't just dive into something raw dog right off the bat. First time we're meeting you. Nice to meet you. Tell me about uh, your addiction to crack cocaine and how it ruined your life. It's like, no, there's no trust there. And that's the same way life works too. You need to build trust. All Every instance for small talk, getting good at small talk. Man, I live in Minneapolis uh, and it just dumped snow. 
and it feels so cheesy. It's so easy to think about, oh, talking about the weather is super lame, but it really is like something as simple as the weather or not things like heavy things like politics or religion, but just talking about the normal, oh man, so where'd you grow up? Like those kind of small talk things. Small talk is the spice of life, and if you can get good at small talk, your life is gonna be so much better. Okay, number four is the cheat code for eye contact that I learned from Larry King. Now, I know this probably sounds super nerdy, and uh, there's you might be listening, you might be thinking, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you're like you're thinking about, okay, am I uh, having too much eye contact? Everybody says you need to be adult. If you're having a conversation with other adults, you need to make eye contact, right? Like, we make eye contact. But the problem is, if you're making too much eye contact, then you end up seeming like a freak, and everybody uh, gets really uncomfortable, and then you start. So <laughs> I went through this period of time where I was nerding out about social interactions and conversations. Like I found myself thinking, okay, how much eye contact is too much eye contact? And I think it was a, a book of Larry King's uh, where he talked about the, here's a simple code for eye contact when it comes to communicating with other people. If you are asking someone a question or they are talking or responding to you, uh, make eye contact. If they're talking, listen to them and make eye contact. But when it is your turn to talk, and then you can do things like break eye contact momentarily. Uh, so that I started doing that seems so forced, but it really is. If you're someone like me that is thinking about that, that's helped me in my life. If someone else is talking, yeah, listen, make eye contact, be there, be present. And then when it's your turn to talk, then feel free to break that momentarily. Okay. <laughs> Does that totally make me sound like I'm on the spectrum? I don't know. I found that super useful. Number five is if you want openness, be open. Now, specifically for me, this had a lot to do with when I started uh, doing my podcast and having conversations with people. And kind of like I said earlier, with small talk, I, I just want to dive in really deep. But I realized very quickly that if I want people to be open and honest with me, I needed to first give this to them. And you know who's killer at this? I love a podcast called You Made It Weird by Pete Holmes. And whenever he asks a guest a question that's really specifically deep or heavy, he will preface it by saying, now, and if you want a second to think about it, I could share with you like a time in my life where that happened or I've interacted or I want you to know you're not alone here. I struggle with this all the time. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Like he prefaces it by saying, I'll go first if you want. And I feel like even outside of the podcast world, especially, I mean, especially out of that world, uh, I think it's almost like the communication version of the golden rule, like do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Like if you want something conversationally, if you want people to treat you with respect conversationally, treat them with respect first. Uh, I think that what you present to other people in conversation is oftentimes set the tone for it, and it's been massively impactful in my life. All right, number six is the first rule of conversation is listen. This sounds so freaking cheesy. Just just listen, man. Like, isn't that, isn't that so easy? But really, it is so much harder than it seems. Uh, I remember when I first started doing my podcast, uh, the, the, the scariest thing started happening with me. I would uh, be in the middle of a conversation with someone and they would be talking, giving me an answer to a question I just asked. And all of a sudden I found myself like in another universe, spacing off, thinking about the next question I was going to ask. And then all of a sudden I'd snap back into it and they just had finished their thing. And I realized I didn't hear a single word that they just said because I was too thinking about what I was going to say next. And I realized 
crap. I do this in everyday conversation so much. I mean, with my wife, Sarah, I catch myself doing this all the time. So much so that I've actually made a rule in our relationship for myself that is, if I ever find myself, and if I ever, like on the regular basis, when I do find myself spacing out, thinking about something else when she is talking to me, I'm going to and going to stop the conversation and say, listen, what you're saying is important to me. Uh, I just spaced off for a second. I didn't hear a single word that you just said. Can you just repeat that? Because I really do want to hear it. And doing this, I realized it's so embarrassing. And she would start getting so annoyed when it happened over and over that it made me want to train myself to stay engaged when she's talking. And the same thing goes with podcasts. And the same, I mean, I think about a gig I used to have. Uh, I used to be play this weekend gig uh, where before the first show of the weekend, the whole team, the production crew and the band would all get together in this big circle and whoever's producing it would ask like a throwaway question. That was just like a meaningless thing that was like, oh, if you could be any dessert, what, would, what, would, what dessert would you be? And I realized that if I was at the end of the circle, so like everybody's giving their answer, it would get to me and I started realizing that I didn't hear a single freaking word that anybody else said for their answer. I was just thinking about mine. And so I started making up this game for myself. And the game was, my goal was to memorize every single person's name, what their uh, what their position was. So if someone would say, my name's Eric and I'm running camera number one this weekend and I would be a push, if, uh, I would be a Flintstones push pop. I don't know where that came from. I, I'm missing those, like the orange flavored ones. I don't, that came out of nowhere. But <laughs> it's pointless, right? Like, oh, thank you. Now I know so much more about you. You want to be a Flintstones orange flavored push pop. Uh, anyways, I start, okay, I try to memorize all these things. And what I realized is it made me a better conversationalist later on in the weekend. I'd be able to respond to people with their name, ask them how their situation, how's everything going over camera number one or whatever. And people would always be like taken aback that you would remember that from that just throwaway question game. And later when I started diving into Larry King, uh, a quote of his that I learned was, a mark of a good conversationalist is good follow-up questions. And his whole deal is he never comes in with a list of questions for any of his, his guests. He just listens and says uh, that something they will say will trigger some sort of curiosity with him and he'll follow up. Oh, you said something about your dad right there. Tell me more about that. So much so that he went on record like making fun of Barbara Walters back in the day because she was like the queen for a little while of throwaway questions. If you could come back as such and such, what would you be? And it's just like, pfft. he would make fun of her for throwing those away and he would say, just listen and ask good follow-up questions. And whether you're interviewing somebody or you're just in everyday life, this is a massive help. And that brings me to number seven, I think. Are we at seven? Yeah. Yeah, number seven if you want to be interesting, be interested. And I know that uh, he uh, said this in an interview once, but he was referring to a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, another massively influential book in my life, where it's true. If you want people to find you an interesting person, be interested in them. Man, how many times have I been in a freaking green room for hours and I just, uh, in a conversation with somebody and the entire time 
they don't ask a single question about me, but I am chatting with them. I'm asking them about their lives and I, I leave and I'm thinking, man, they know literally know nothing more about me after this conversation. And as we're leaving, they say something like, man, I love chatting with you. You're so you're such an interesting person. Well, now it's like a cliche. Oh, you are really you're a curious person. No, but really it is. Like a you're such an in, you're such an interesting person to talk to. And I remember the first few times that happened. I'm like, oh, wait a second. I didn't really even say anything. We just talked about you the whole time. But then I remember advice that Benjamin Disraeli gave to Larry King years ago. That is, uh, he said, talk to anyone about themselves and they'll listen for hours. Play the conversational host. If you're in a circle of people and someone's not talking, like bring them in, ask people questions. But if you can play the conversational host and be interested in other people when you're talking to them, People are going to find you 10 times more interesting. That is possibly one of the most important things I've ever learned from Larry King. Number eight, love what you do. I, I mean, I know he just passed away this weekend, but in multiple interviews that I've heard with Larry King, he said things like, the reason for my longevity is because I love what I do for a living. Uh, he said that he always thought he would die at the age of 46 because that's the age his dad died of a heart attack. Uh, and so he never thought he would live past 46, but he says that the reason he thinks he has is because he doesn't feel like he's worked a day in his life. He says, like, this isn't work. I have conversations with people for a living. I talk for a living. I love my life. And he says that's been the biggest reason for his longevity in life. Number nine is there is power in questions. Uh, it was through Larry King that I realized that, you know, oftentimes we think about questions and curiosity as something as almost like handing over the power. Like if you ask someone questions, well, I'm not going to get the chance to talk. Like I've, I'm just like, I'm just being submissive here in the conversation. Right. But actually by asking questions, you actually have the power to con control a conversation. I'll give you one example. Um, one of, I almost don't even want to say this. Because uh, I feel like I'm giving away one of like my big life secrets that I don't want other people to know about. <laughs> but one of my biggest tricks in social circumstances is have you ever been in a situation where someone seems to be talking nonstop, not giving any space to anybody else? Uh, uh, it, if for you to interrupt that person and change the subject, like we naturally would want to do, it seems so obvious. Like, well, let me, you're now the person that's interrupting, you're bringing the attention on yourself. But by asking questions, if you interrupt with a question and you direct that question to someone else, you number one, take control of the dynamic of the conversation and you take control of the topic of the conversation. You, it's so much easier to go, well, oh, that's interesting. Like, Jerry, you were saying, like, where did Jerry come from? Jerry, uh, you, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, it's a totally different subject than what they're talking about. When you do that and you take it and you direct it outside of yourself, no one suspects you. You get off, seriously, you get off scot-free. And it's one of the most uh, valuable conversational hacks that is in my back pocket at all times. Number 11 is leave your agenda at the door. I have found personally that those people that are uh, most persistent and interested in sharing their agenda and pushing their religion or politics on you are the least interested in hearing yours. And it's, man, that is such like a problem in conversation. I think nowadays, and it's one of the biggest reasons why I'm just, it just exhausted listening to some conversations. I mean, I mean, check it out. If you're like me, you like listening to podcasts. How many times have you listened to an interview where the host has obviously is like 
giving just giving the person like leading questions like trying to entrap them uh trying to push their own agenda on the person larry king was such a breath of fresh air to me because his whole uh, concept is he believed that his audience was smarter than most people give them credit for if you just your job as a host is to pull out as much information as possible from someone and then let your audience decide. You don't have to push your agenda. People are smart. They can make their own decisions for themselves. And it's the reason why I have found the dynamic that I have had in conversations on my podcast is because of that. Because I'm just informa- I'm interested in getting as much information from my guest as possible. And actually, social situations, let's talk about talking and social situations are the same. For me, like I want to learn as much as possible uh, about you, and if I'm shoving my agenda down your throat, it's only going to choke you up, and you're not going to be interested in sharing, or at least you're going to, at the very best, you're going to just change uh, your opinions to match something that you think I want to hear, or at least in say only things that you think won't offend me, man. That is like the foundation of curiosity right there. Are you willing, are you more interested in learning about someone than you are trying to change someone? And I know there's times to speak up, but generally, specifically in like a podcast or in most social circumstances, uh, I think I've had the more enjoyable conversations with somebody when I've left my agenda at the door. I'm still myself, I still have opinions. Uh, I'll still voice those opinions, uh, but I'm just more interested in getting to know the truth of somebody, the the truth of who they are, rather than projecting who I want them to be and trying to change them into that. So that's something I've always respected of Larry King. Okay, number 12, ending at the beginning, where we started. One of the greatest things I learned from Larry King is that no matter who you are, if you think you're bad at talking, you can get better. And I... Seriously, if you th- if that, maybe you're listening to this, uh, and maybe you've listened to my podcast, and you think, well, I don't think you're that great at talking. You're not the greatest spokesperson for communication. But even to where I am today, only exists because of my willingness to get better, put myself in circumstances where maybe I'm uncomfortable, and I have to push myself, have conversations with someone that I think I have nothing in common with. Uh, it's only because of this that I've even gone from wherever I am down here to wherever I am today. If you think you're bad at talking, you can get better. Uh, if you think you're good at talking, there's always room for improvement. You can even excel better. Better, You can get more better. Yeah, I think you can get more better at talking, even if you think you're good. And like I always said, keep talking. Not like in the sense of like don't listen, but like keep practicing communication, that art. Uh, listen, if you are interested in learning more about Larry King, uh, there are tons of interviews, there's books that he's written, uh, there's tons of resources on the web that you can find just a Google search away. But if you're interested in learning more from Larry King, uh, his ideas, his thoughts on uh, communication. There's three places I would start. One, if you want to dive into the world of like audio and podcast interviews, two of my favorite interviews of his. Uh, are done. Number one is with uh, Tim Ferriss on the Tim Ferriss show. Brilliant. Tim is a brilliant communicator and interviewer in his own right. His conversation with Larry King dives in deep. And I have like a whole couple pages of notes just on that interview. The second one is an interview done by 
uh, Larry King's actual mentee, someone they mentored in person, who is Cal Fussman, who's a writer. He used to write that column in Esquire magazine called What I've Learned. I think that's what it was called. Uh, anyways, yeah, he's a brilliant writer and he's a brilliant communicator in his own right. And he interviewed Larry King on his podcast called Big Questions. I'm going to put a link to all these in the show notes below, by the way. Uh, and the third way, where a ton of this stuff I got from, if you want to dive in more, uh, man, I don't know. And maybe this seems super cheesy to you. Maybe it seems too self-helpy. But I love this book. I got years ago, uh, How to Talk to Anyone, Anytime, Anywhere by Larry King. Man, this is uh, a brilliant book. It's one of those, I don't know if you have books like this where you, it's just like marked up. You have constant like scribbles and all the margins and it's highlighted all over the place. Uh, that is brilliant. I would highly recommend checking out that book. But man, all that to say, doing this, what I'm doing right now, is something I couldn't have even imagined. I mean, I've, I have a ton to, I have a ton to learn and a lot of uh, work that needs to be done on my end to get better at this medium. I'm, this is even just an experiment of what would it look like to do more of these podcast uh, conversations, just me and a camera and a microphone. Uh, but I do know that there's no way in hell I would be able to have done something like this 12, 13 years ago if it weren't for my time studying Larry King. I can't recommend high enough to dive into his work and his approach to conversation in general. All right, that's all I got. As always, stay curious. The king is dead. Long live the king.